Good evening, my friends. This is a Tomorrow Christian Today reading 1 Corinthians 5 in the NLT. But first and always we pray. Dear Lord, I always want to lift you. I want to glorify you. I want to use the simple talents that I have. Nothing too extraordinary or extravagant. But I want to be able to open my mouth, praise you, just to read your word, give an opinion. You know, opinion, everybody has an opinion, Lord. You know, it's like a certain mouth, it's like a certain body part I will not mention. But everybody's got an opinion. Thank you, Lord, that I can have an opinion. I just want to read your word and let your spirit speak to me. And whoever's listening, whoever wants to let the spirit speak to them, and they may not uh, hear the same words from the spirit that I do, but that's okay. That's the kind of individuality and versatility that you've, you've built into all of us. And the point is, is that that person has heard your word and your word has spoken to them and your word will not return to you void and that person will be changed, will be transformed, strengthened, will be given hope, something this world cannot give. Lord, this world has no hope. It's on its last legs. This is the end times and we are to be sober. We are to be vigilant. We are to be watchful. We are to be powerful. We are to be iron sharpens iron. And we cannot do that without your son, Jesus the Christ, living in us. Thank you, Lord, for all you do. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. The Lord is doing so much for us. We can read his word and we can think about what we have read. Make it your own. Visit it for yourself. I'm just the reader. I'm the big mouth. I'm the mouthpiece. The spirit is speaking to you and you will respond because your heart knows that Jesus is true and his father is true and you're not going through stuff for nothing. It's for a purpose and that purpose is to make you a son and daughter of eternity, of immortality, that you will move through the new covenant universe at the speed of thought and that your father will always be with you no matter where you go. Paul condemns spiritual pride. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Oh, wow. I mean, talk about, hey, I don't want to go to church, there's hypocrites there. Yeah, there's sin there. There's people there that maybe they got baptized, maybe they're not thinking about what they're doing, maybe they've stalled or they've become stunted in their walk with Christ. And this does not sound, this is a pretty, uh, if the Bible wanted to cover stuff up, this would be one of the things I'd want to cover up. Uh, yeah, let's not do this. Uh, we can edit this out for the next draft. Um, Paul's writing and he's, you know, laying in on the line like this is not, this is not being called to holiness. Verse two, you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be in mourning and sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Honestly, some of the things that people are saying these days, they have no shame. They say it loudly and proudly, and they're proud of it. And I'm just going to leave it to your imagination. Some of the things that are being said, it's just wrong. Okay. It's just, it's just immoral and it's wrong and it's just nastiness. And again, you know, if you say stuff like that, oh, you're judging, I'm not judging. I'm just saying there's, there's gotta be some accountability. There has to be some responsibility. And I think there has to be some quality and some assurance, you know, God is, God is, um, trying to build in us a relationship that lasts forever. And, you know, we need to step it up. We need to open the doors of our heart and let God in. Guard your heart, let God in. You, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
That Bible verse has been going all through my head since I heard it today. We need to do our part. God initiated, God created the, the path of salvation. You need to walk on it. The world's not going to give you anything better. The world has nothing. It has no hope for you and it has no it has no correctness. It just has a lot of speculation and a lot of opinions. Even though I'm not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I was there, you have already put past judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit. And so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. So you see there's remediation there. It's not like throw the guy out, we don't care, we're discarding a piece of garbage. Yes, we're, we're asking him to leave, we're asking him to stop, and we're surrendering him to Satan, we're, we're asking him to leave and go out of the church so that he can go and think about it like the prodigal son, and maybe hit rock bottom, hopefully he won't hurt himself, although he might, there will be consequences to this kind of behavior and these kinds of actions. And then man will come to his senses and realize that the world has nothing to give him and that what he thought was going to give him pleasure and stability in his heart is actually um, fleeting. It's, it's all we are is dust in the wind. This is what these kind of actions refer to, dust in the wind. This is corruption of the soul. This is emptiness. This is anguish. When you're addicted to something, you're doing something that's, that's, that's corrupt, that gives you no peace of mind. Because Paul was saying here, I, I want this person's sinful nature to be destroyed, but not the person themselves. And he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. That day is coming, my friends. I, Bible says that Jesus did not know when he was here the day of his return. He never. The Bible doesn't say any date, but it says, don't you know the signs of the times? I see the world, I'm thinking of Matthew 24. I'm, I'm there, I'm sorry. I'm not a preacher. I know there's some guy in our church that was a pastor. He closed up his church and now he's a member of our church and he's going to preach on, on Sunday. I want to hear what he has to say. I get the feeling he's very, very conservative and I think he might ruffle the feathers of some of the people in the church that are liberal. But that's just me speculating. I haven't heard him preach. But the way he walks, the way he talks, he wears a suit. He's got the whole suit action happening. So we're going to see what he says. I'm very interested to what, what he says. And I think I'm going to agree with him because I like the way he looks. But it's like anything, you know, we don't just judge people on the way they look. Uh, we judge, we judge, um, we, don't, we don't do that, right? The Lord has brought all kinds of people with all kinds of thinking and all kinds of garb and mode of dress and, and uh, opinions. You know, we're, there's many beliefs in our church, in our tiny little church. But we're saved by one way and one way alone, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our new covenant. He is our salvation. He, are, he is our narrow path. He is our lawyer. He is our bridegroom. He is our savior, and he is our mediator before God, not our opinions. It says, and he himself, that man who's doing these terrible things, will be saved in the day the Lord returns. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough? It, it can't be allowed to spread. You know, you, 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 uh, we had this problem in the church. Everybody was anguishing about this dude, you know, trying to work with the guy, trying to help him out. And he just, he couldn't compromise. He couldn't meet people halfway. He just could not. And finally they had to disfellowship the guy. And I think the dude moved away. And he was a big guy. I talked to him once. I gave him a ride home. He was the father of a very Christian girl who went out to the East to, to be a youth pastor. I mean, far, you know, she was way different than her dad. 
I didn't have a problem with him. He spoke to me. He seemed to become a Christian, but he just, he was not happy about what was going on in the church and he just caused so much consternation. You know, people try to talk to the dude. It just, it couldn't happen. He, he was like exhausting. You know what I mean? You see the dude coming, you just feel exhausted all of a sudden. It says, get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. So, so Paul was saying to get rid of this wicked person, but then he said, you know, to throw this man out, hand him over to the world, hand him over to Satan, like the prodigal son, let him go and do his thinking, you know, and eat corn with the pigs, and maybe he would come to his senses, and then he himself would be saved in the day of the Lord's return. So we're getting the person out of the church to preserve the rest of the church, to preserve these, preserve the rest of the church from, you know, all these ideas and, you know, loss of morale. You know, you ever worked at a company that's like a loss of morale, and people just talk about leaving and getting fired and, and just, you know, People are not pulling together all of a sudden. They're not going in the same direction. Everybody's just languishing and just anguishing and just, you know, speculating. And it's a lot of negative emotions, a lot of negative talk. Like that can't be allowed to continue. You have to get it together and move forward as a unit, even though unity is hard. That's my opinion and I'm entitled to it. That's what I see sometimes in my own company. People start talking, you know, and they start saying if they were in charge, they couldn't do any better. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. That's what we are. We've been remade. We've been given grace. We've been given a do-over, a second chance. I don't want to blow the second chance. Jesus rose on the eighth day. And that to me is a second chance. That's the day after the seventh day. That's the day. Jesus said, I'm the seventh day. I'm your Sabbath. But then Jesus is also our eighth day, our, 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 our grace day our do-over, our forgiveness, our let's try it again. Let's get it right the next time around. Let's try even harder to please our God. We messed up, we failed, we fell. He's going to get us up, scrape the dust from our feet, and he's going to brush the dust from off our back and our shoulders and where we fell, and he's going to help bind our wounds, and we're moving on. We're like the Jeffersons. We're moving on up, baby. We're going forward. We're going to sit around and, 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 and cry about things, how they're wrong, and we're going to go forward. We have no choice. Go forward or die. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. I love that. You will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. All the things we're reading about in Leviticus, all those ceremonial laws and about sacrifice, sacrificing animal. And it says Jesus took care of all of that. He's been sacrificed for us. Love fulfilled the law. It's all been fulfilled. The old covenant has been fulfilled by the sacrifice and the birth and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the walking, talking, living, new covenant spirit man who quickens us if we want that. Verse 8, so let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, not with the old covenant bread, but with the new covenant bread, with Jesus our Lord and Savior, with our King of the order of Melchizedek, who's at the right hand of the Father right now, even as I'm talking, and he's sitting right next to you as you listen to my crazy voice reading out the NLT. With the new bread of sincerity and truth. Amen, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for helping us so much. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for walking in our life. Thank you for going through all of these things so we know we don't have to do it by ourselves. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. 
But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave the world, this world to avoid people like that. I mean, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in this kind of sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. That's pretty serious. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. And I mean, when we say judge, we don't mean saying we're better than somebody. I remember Anthony Robbins was talking about some of his motivational courses, and he was talking about, you judge someone you're evaluating. Your brain is taking puzzle pieces and it's evaluating, and it's trying to form a picture. That's what you're doing. You got a person in the church and they're not acting and talking and walking. They're not following the gospel. And they're going to pull people down and they're going to spread negative morale. Uh, you, you have to evaluate that person and isolate that person from everybody else before the whole ship goes down. But you're isolating the person and, and sort of, you know, exiling them with the hopes of it's a redemptive ex exile. It's not like get out, never come back. It's like, go away, uh, go, go do a timeout. Think about what you're doing. Think about how you're hurting yourself. Thinking about how you're going against the Lord Jesus. You got baptized. Remember, you got baptized. You, you turned over a new leaf. You wanted to start a new life. This is not it. Go and do some heavy thinking. And if you want to come back, we're here waiting for you with open arms. I think that's what Paul is trying to say in this. And I think that's redemptive. And instead of judging Christians on being, um, you know, not redemptive. I think that people should read the Bible. They should read the whole thing for themselves. Read it in the NLT so you can think for yourself and read for yourself and see that God is trying to redeem us. We've all got sin in us. John said, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. That's what he says. Everybody sinned in this whole world except one man, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of how many people have ever lived? 15 billion? One man got it right, completely got it right. And that man is going to help the rest of us get it right because he's our mediator before God. Amazing, absolutely amazing. It certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 17, verses 7. 17, 7. God bless you all. Thanks for your time. I hope it was good for you. I enjoyed it personally. <laughs>